This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Hey YA, Book Riot's own podcast about all things young adult lit. Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by YA experts, enthusiasts, and authors Kelly Jensen and Eric Smith. The show delves into YA trends, adaptations, news, and boatloads of young adult book recommendations of all kinds. Each episode is guaranteed to amp up your TBR and leave you feeling excited about the wide and wonderful world of young adult books. Listen to Hey YA on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 80, and we are recording on Tuesday, June 16th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? Oh, you know, just trying to survive. <laughs> Boy, do I feel that. Boy, <laughs> do I feel that on, like, a very deep spiritual level. <laughs> it's funny because I took off last Friday. Um, like, as in the eighth or something, I don't know, the fourth, whatever this this past Friday was the 12th, I think. Yeah, which was like three or four days ago at this point. And I'm already just like, I need another day off. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I well, I mean, my library today was our first day of running curbside services where people aren't coming into the building, but they're coming to pick stuff up. I have been the head person of planning curbside services for the last month and a half, and I was not scheduled to be at the library today, and I, in fact, took today off because I'm like, I need a break. And my coworker texted me, and she said, everything went really smoothly. I'm like, oh, thank you. That's great. I am so excited, but then I'm like, oh my god, I need to take more days off. Holy cow. So I have a week off coming up at the be- at the first full week of July, because that's right after my birthday on the 5th. And mm-hmm. I've already told my boss, I'm like, look, I am taking this week off. There's just like, this is how I'm going to treat myself to my pandemic birthday. I'm going to give myself mm-hmm. a full week. But I may have to take a couple days off in between because oh my gosh. It's been it's been a couple of weeks, let me just say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has been. I was thinking about that too, because I have time off available to me. And I've been like thinking about like how I want to dole it out because I'm also like, it's also only June and I don't want to burn through all of my PTO in June. <laughs> Not that I don't think I would anyways, but I'm just like trying to think I'm like, oh, I could like take you know, like a couple days off in July. I mean, we do have the July 4th holiday coming up and stuff like that. So at least I know I have that day off to look forward to. But I'm like, I think I'm going to take off, figure out a day in July and, you know, another day in August and sort of like try to figure out how I'm going to use my vacation days because I'm not taking an actual vacation this year, (laughs) like in terms of leaving the Chicagoland area slash my house because (laughs) that's just not going to happen. So yeah, I just need to figure all of that out. Yeah, my well, my problem is that I was saving up a lot of vacation time to use because I had four weddings to go to over the span of two and a half months and all of the requisite parties and, you know, bachelorette parties that were going to be out of state. And all Mm. four of them have been canceled or have been rescheduled. 
And so I have a boatload of vacation time that needs to be used up because we have a six-month grace period to use it. But that ends in November, and I had a lot of time that I was saving up specifically for these weddings. So I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to be taking some serious time off for some staycations this year. Yeah, seriously. This is the year of the staycation. Which I'm also okay with. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, just unplug the work computer, hide it in a box. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So before we jump into the episode, I have our first sponsor, and that is Amazon Publishing, who have put out Don't Make a Sound by T.R. Reagan. Crime reporter Soya Brooks is still haunted by her traumatic childhood in River Rock, where she was abandoned by her two older sisters to suffer the unspeakable abuses of her family. It's also where Sawyer's best friend disappeared and two teenage girls were murdered. Now, after a promotion at work, Sawyer is forced to return home and face her past. When another girl is slain in River Rock, Sawyer vows to investigate. What she finds will illuminate the darkest secrets of her hometown and her own past. So this is a heart-pounding new thriller from New York Times bestselling author T.R. Reagan. This book is the first in a new series, which is being called the Sawyer Brooks series and is about murder and family secrets. So if those are, you know, themes that you enjoy in your mystery books, this is definitely one worth picking up. It follows crime reporter Sawyer Brooks as she struggles to gain control of her rage, her paranoia, and her life. So definitely be sure to read Don't Make a Sound by T.R. Reagan, and we thank Amazon Publishing for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are delighted to have everyone listening to us. As always, I cannot believe we are on episode 80 of this podcast. Holy cow, we are going to be zooming in on episode 100 before we know it. We talk about mysteries and thrillers and true crime and adaptations and related subgenres and pretty much anything that falls under that umbrella of mystery, suspense, and thrillers. So this is always the part of the show where we put out a call to listeners to write in with suggestions for for future episodes that you might have. We've used a lot of episodes over the last 80 episodes. that have come from listeners. And it's been really helpful to to us to help plan future shows. And it also gives us an interesting idea of what you guys are interested in and what you'd like to hear more of. So if you have any ideas, just let us know. We'll have our contact information at the end of the show. And even if you don't have any ideas or just want to say hi, you can do that as well. We, We love hearing from people. In fact, since the last episode came out, we got a couple of really good suggestions on Twitter that I think we'll have to incorporate into future episodes. Like I read those and I went, oh, snap, those are good. Um, So you all have come up with some really, really fantastic ideas. And we thank you for that. And we just say keep them coming. And so with that, I'm going to jump into our usual news segment. Shockingly, we don't have a ton of adaptation news. Like it it seems like that's the case with every episode that we do. We do have very, you know, just a small bit of news. But if you're a fan of Rachel Housel Hall, uh, I know Rincey and I, we both read her most recent novel, They All Fall Down. Uh, We really love that book. And she's written other ones previously. Well, she has a new crime novel coming out. And this is one of those things where it's just in like the announcement stages, like it's just been acquired by a particular editor or a particular agency. But it's going to be called These Toxic Things. 
which features a tech writer discovering the truth about a collection of seemingly ordinary memorabilia belonging to a curiosity shop owner who dies under mysterious circumstances. And already, like, every mystery bell in my head is going, ooh, I want to read this. Um, so that will be really exciting to hear more about. Um, we don't have a release date yet for it, obviously, So, like I said, since it's in the beginning stages. Uh, but we will definitely be talking more about that book once it gets closer to publication. And then in Saturn News, there was a news article about, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago, that Grace Edwards, who was a Harlem mystery author, died at age 87. Now, Grace Edwards was a name that I was not super familiar with before reading this, the obituary about her life and her work, but she wrote yeah, six detective stories that were set in Harlem, and they featured a female cop-turned-sociologist, and there was a lot of, like, jazz elements in the book, and all of these other things, and she didn't actually publish her first book, I think, until she was in her mid-50s. Like, she'd always loved writing, but... She didn't publish until until much later in life. So this was an author that, you know, unfortunately, like I said, I hadn't heard much about. Um, but especially after, you know, last episode when we were talking about seeking out books written by Black mystery writers, she would be, sounds like a really good one to take a look at. Unfortunately, since she has passed away, she's not able to you know, experienced people discovering her books for the first time. But yeah, if you're looking for a new to you author for some books that maybe that kind of flown under the radar for a while, take a look at Grace Edwards books. So we'll have we'll have a link to her obituary in the show notes. So you can um, take a look at that and read a little bit more about her life. And then in the one piece of adaptation news we do have, there's been a trailer going around for a movie called You Should Have Left, which is starring uh, Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried in the main roles. It's directed by David Kopp, who wrote, was one of the writers for Jurassic Park, like the original Jurassic Park, like one of two perfect movies that have been made in my lifetime. Um, so there is that. But it is actually based on a novella written by Daniel Keilman, um, which was written in German and has been translated. And it's about a screenwriter who's attempting to write a sequel to follow his the success of his first screenplay that he wrote. And the book, the book and the movie play a lot with, you know, the distinction between reality and fantasy and stuff like that. So it, the, the trailer seems pretty spooky. The movie looks pretty spooky. And so if you've seen it uh, going around, just know it is actually an adaptation, even though it's it's a novella that a lot of us probably are not super familiar with. So we'll have a link to the trailer in the show notes as well. Okay, so like Katie said, we don't have a lot of adaptation news besides that one, but we apparently have all of the awards news <laughs> this week. <laughs> So uh, the Crime Writers Association, or the CWA, announced the long list for the 2020 Dagger Awards. And so the Dagger Awards cover a 
pretty large spans. It basically covers like all different types of mystery writers and crime books and things like that. So I highly recommend checking out this list because there are a lot of um, authors on here that I know I personally know about. And so I'm sure many of you know about um, Ellie Griffiths, Alex North, Abir Mukherjee, a lot of different people. So they have a bunch of different categories and they plan on announcing a short list later this year. And then the awards, I think, are going to be announced in October. Um, but yeah, they have the Gold Dagger, which is like the best crime novel. They have the Ian Fleming Award, which is more about like thrillers and spy fiction and like psychological uh, thrillers, adventure stories, things like that. They have the John Creasy or New Blood Dagger, which I really love that it's called the New Blood Dagger. Uh, but it's for a first-time author or a first-time like crime author. They have a Crime Fiction and Translation Award, which I think is really great. So a historical dagger for historical fiction, things like that. So I feel like no matter where your tastes really range, uh, you will probably find a category here that you will enjoy. And so there might be some good suggestions here for books that you can pick up. They have short stories. Everything that you could think of is probably covered in some capacity here. And then the Shirley Jackson Awards announced their nominees for this year. And so the Shirley Jackson Awards uh, specifically try to highlight books that deal with psychological suspense, horror, and the dark fantastic things that Shirley Jackson was known for. <laughs> so they have, again, best novel, best novella, best novelette, short fiction, single author collections, anthologies. Um, so some of the Nominees for this one include like The Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, uh, Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. A couple of the novellas are by like Joe Hill, Priya Sharma. This is How You Lose the Time War by Amal L. Mohart and Max Gladstone was nominated. So if you are someone who likes things on that slightly more like fantastical sci-fi sort of horror end of things of uh, book spectrum, then check out the Shirley Jackson Award nominees. And I believe that they haven't announced exactly what they're going to be doing in terms of announcing this one. I mean, I know everyone is doing it virtually, probably this year, but uh, they haven't announced exactly a date from what I can tell in this press release. And then the Anthony Awards have announced their nominees for this year. Um, and so this one they are announcing the winners online in October as well. Um, I feel like the Anthony Awards are the awards that align most closely with the way Katie and I read because <laughs> I was going through the nominees and I was like, yep, read that one, heard about that one, want to read that one. <laughs> so best novel, uh, the nominees are like Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha, They All Fall Down, as we just mentioned earlier, by Rachel Housel Hall, Lady in the Lake by Laura Lipman, uh, The Murder List by Hank Philippi Ryan, and Miami and Midnight by Alex Segura. So I feel like out of those five, We've like talked about or read or want to read basically all five of them. <laughs> and then like best first novel has Miracle Creek, uh, The Ninja Daughter, which I read either earlier this year or late last year, um, American Spy, which Katie and I both enjoyed, I believe. And then for nonfiction, they have The Trial of Lizzie Borden, The Five by Hallie Rubenhold. So again, if you are someone who's, you know, listening to this podcast and is like, yeah, I really vibe with the books that Katie and Rincey always talk about. Check out the Anthony Awards, because I feel like this year we seem to be on the same wavelength as them. All right. And then finally, the nominees for the, I don't think I'm going to pronounce this correctly, the Theakson Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year Award has been announced. And so this is really interesting because this is a 
list where the winner is chosen via public vote. So definitely go and check it out. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, But My Sister the Serial Killer has been nominated, as well as Smoke and Ashes by Amir Mukherjee, The Lost Man by Jane Harper, Joe Country by Mick Herron, and The Chain by Adrian McKinty, and Worst Case Scenario by Helen Fitzgerald. So very good list there. And I believe, I don't know if there are rules in terms of you have to live in the UK because this is a UK specific brand. And so I didn't see anything specifically about that. But if you are interested in this, and you're like, hey, I really want one of these people to win the award, definitely go check out the link in the show notes. Um, The winner receives £3,000 and a engraved oak beer cask hand carved by one of Britain's last Coopers from the Theakston Brewery, who is obviously sponsoring this award. Um, So I've never heard of this award before. But again, that shortlist is really great. And I feel like I would be fine with like almost any of those people winning the award. I mean, probably any of them, but I haven't read all of them. But yeah, that's a really great shortlist. So if you want to help sway the vote a little bit, you can uh, check out the link in the show notes and uh, let them know who you want to win it. Yeah, I was first drawn to that news item just because anytime I see my my sister, the serial killer, pop up on an awards list, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I want that one to win. But yeah, that's a really, really strong shortlist for this particular award. All right. So for our main topic for this episode, we decided to read LGBTQ plus based mysteries of some sort. Um, because, you know, June is Pride Month. So we figured we might as well celebrate by picking up some mystery books that feature either LGBTQ characters or are written by uh, authors who identify as like queer in some sort of way or something along those lines. So I will kick things off. I read The Kill Club by Wendy Hurd. And I really enjoyed this book. I had this book on my radar since it came out, which was like last December because it just sounded really interesting. Uh, and then I like looked it up on Goodreads and it has like LGBTQ tags on it. And so I was just like, okay, this would be a good one to read for this month. So I picked it up. I actually listened to it on audiobook and I really enjoyed it. I don't know if it's just because I've been reading a lot of like heavier literary fiction lately, but this book was just so much fun. It's the epitome of like a thriller in my opinion. And I definitely recommend the audiobook if you are an audiobook listener. So the basic synopsis of this book is that you are following this character named Jazz, who is about 30 years old, and she has a brother, a biological brother who lives in a foster home. Jazz herself also lived, uh, grew up in the foster system, and their foster mother's name is Carol. And Jazz and Carol don't get along at all. Carol is very like fundamentalist, Christian, very narrow views on the world. And Jazz is queer. She's at least a lesbian. Like she doesn't self-identify in the book, but she, you know, dates other women and things like that. She's a, she considers herself queer. And so Carol's not cool with that. Um, but she's also so fundamentalist that like she also believes that Jazz's brother has diabetes and she believes that she can like pray away the diabetes like she refuses to give him medicine like his diabetic medicine insulin things like that because she thinks like god will just cure him of it and so jazz is like freaking out because she basically like sneaks him his medicine while he's at school he's like i think in 
eighth grade, I want to say. So he's around like 14 years old. Um, And so basically what she does is she like goes to his school, drops off his insulin, and then he'll like take it home and like give it to himself. So that way he can be okay. But then Carol ends up pulling her brother out of school and decides to homeschool him. And so now there's like an issue of like this whole situation. And so Jazz is really concerned that like Joaquin's going to die because he has like type 1 diabetes. So if he like falls into a diabetic coma, which he has done before, he might not survive at all. Like there's no, there's not a lot of time um, between like him needing insulin and him like potentially dying. Um, And so Jazz tries to like kind of work the system and do things through foster or child services and stuff like that. But, you know, everything like that always takes a really long time. And it's hard to get people to intervene on something that Jazz thinks is going to happen, but she has no real proof of anything. And through a series of events, Jazz ends up with this like flip phone in her care and she ends up getting a call through the flip phone from someone offering her a solution and basically joining this thing that Jazz ends up calling in the book, the murder club, but you know, it's the kill club where someone will take care of Carol and in and by take care of, I mean, uh, kill. <laughs> and in return, Jazz has to kill someone else who's also like in a terrible situation. So basically, you see like chapters, like there are some alternating chapters in there where you see some of the other people who are part of the kill club. And so these are like women who are in abusive relationships or are being stalked or like they are in like a divorce situation and the husband refuses to give any sort of like child viewing rights or anything like that. And so these are all like generally women who have been like abused in some sense or they're unable to like do things legally in order to get things to work properly. Um, And so they are basically agreeing to all like eliminate each other's abuser. Um, But it's all through the done through this anonymous third party. And like, the point is that no one in the kill club knows who anyone else is. And no one is like, closely connected to anyone that they're murdering. So that way, the police can't figure out any sort of like connection or like, you know, come up with suspects or anything like that. So through like a series of like really terrible circumstances, Jazz ends up joining them, which means that she has to go through and kill somebody. But of course, it is not that easy. And I will leave the synopsis there because I that's all I basically knew about it is that like, you know, there is this thing called the Kill Club and Jess gets the invitation to join the Kill Club. But this book is wild. There are so many twists and so many turns. And there were multiple times where I was listening to this book and I like gasped out loud because I couldn't believe the reveal that just happened. I don't know if, again, I was just really in the mood for something like fast paced thriller sort of thing. And so I just like really wanted something fun to read. But this book was so much fun for me to read. It was one of those audiobooks where when I was getting towards the end of it, I just like powered through the last like three or four hours of it because I just really wanted to know what was going to happen. I will say that there are a couple of twists in there or a couple of reveals that I found to be kind of predictable. Like I kind of saw them coming. So it's not like a 100% surprise all the way. But I found like a lot of the reveals to be like really fun and really interesting. Um, Like I said, Jazz, the main character is queer herself, and she does have a relationship in the book. 
but it's treated as like, you know, another relationship, although it does kind of come into the play with the Kill Club, but I'm not going to say too much more than that. And so, yeah, I feel like if you are looking for a good thriller, this is a really good one to pick up. It's not like super popular at all from what I can tell. Like it doesn't have that many ratings on Goodreads compared to most other mystery books. So I feel like this one is completely flying under the radar and a lot more people should be picking it up. Uh, so again, that's called The Kill Club by Wendy Hurd. I had so much fun. Honestly, this is probably like the perfect, you know, sort of summer beach read, vacation read sort of book because it's one of those books you won't want to put down. Ah, it's, that sounds so good. <laughs> it was so good, Katie. I highly, highly recommend it. I had so much fun with this book. I had, well, while you were talking about that, I was like, I have to check and see if I ever ordered that for my own library because the, the title is familiar. Like, I remember seeing it or seeing it as a new release or whatever the case may be. Like, I'm not totally unfamiliar with it, but I can't remember if I've ordered it for my library. So I may have to do that and then put myself on hold for it. But the audiobook sounds really good too. Did you get it through Audible or did you do Hoopla? I actually got it through Scribd, but um, I think it's also, at least it's on my uh, library's Hoopla as well. It's it's the same Hoopla catalog for all libraries. So, okay. oh, yeah. 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 So I think it's also on Hoopla. So if anyone else's library has Hoopla, definitely look on there to see if you have access to it. All right. So before I jump into my part of the discussion, I'm going to come in with our second sponsor really quick, which is the audiobook version of One Last Lie by Paul Dwaran. And Paul Dwaran has written a bunch of books that are super popular in my library, but this is his latest one. And the synopsis starts off with the statement, never trust a man without secrets. So these are the last words that retired game warden Charlie Stevens speaks to his surrogate son, warden investigator Mike Bowditch, before the old man vanishes without explanation into thousands of miles of forest along the Canadian border. Mike suspects that his friend's sudden disappearance has to do with an antique badge found at a flea market, a badge that belonged to a warden who was presumed dead 15 years ago, but whose body was never recovered. On a mission to find Charlie before he meets a similarly dark fate, Mike must reopen a cold case that powerful people, including his fellow wardens, one of whom might be a killer, will do anything to keep closed. So the audiobook is read by Henry Leva, and so this is the next book in the Mike Bowditch series by Paul Dwaran. So if you've read his books before, or if you like mysteries and thrillers that have an outdoor survival element to them, this would be a really good one to take a look at. And June is also National Audiobook Month, so this is very apropos. So again, the book is called One Last Lie by Paul Dwaran, and we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right, so for my book, I mean, if you've been listening at all to this show for the last few months, you'll know that the pandemic has just pretty much squashed like any ability of mine to actually start and finish a book. So not surprisingly, I didn't get super far in the book that I had picked for to read for today's episode. So 
As a bonus, I am providing another reading recommendation. I have not read this book, this second book yet, but it is one that I have heard of, and so I wanted to give you a little extra since I didn't get a chance to get very far in, my, in the one that I picked. Um, so the one that I picked for this episode is The Luminous Dead by Caitlin Starling, and this is definitely one where the mist, where the like the suspense part of the book is definitely like the lesser of the genre mashups. It's definitely a sci-fi horror mashup, but with a fairly strong psychological suspense element. I've gotten maybe like 100 pages into the book, and I would describe it as like Annihilation meets The Descent, the movie The Descent with the with cave-dwelling monsters. So the the book takes place on an on a planet and they have all of these job openings for cavers to basically go into these very deep dark caves. Most of them are for mining purposes, but some of these job these exploration jobs are for other purposes. And so the main character Jire takes this really dangerous caving mission. Um, she is not equipped for the mission. She does not have the experience that they need, but she falsifies her. She basically, she basically pads her resume when she applies for it because she needs the money. It's a dangerous job. So there's a big payout and she really, really needs the money. So she gets suited up and she, the story picks up after she has been in the cave for a few days and she is by herself, and the only other person that she is in communication with is this mysterious woman named M, who is talking to her through her console, basically, like her her earpiece, directing her on where to go, what, you know, where the supplies are, because they've got, like, supplies deposited at different points along this route. And... This woman, M, is the only other person that Jire can, that she can communicate with. She's the only person guiding this mission. And she's very, very hard to read. Like, she's cold and calculating, but then sometimes she seems, you know, she seems a little, you know, like she's becoming vulnerable, And but then she changes. And because this is all happening over basically audio, like, it's it's just like this mysterious force that's um that's guiding Jire. And as she's moving through the cave, like she sees through her goggles basically, she sees, you know, glowing objects, which she realizes are the bodies from previous cavers who have done this exact same mission and have died. There's something very, very dangerous about this mission. And they don't know what it is. They know that there is a monster of some kind. There's something called the Tunneler in the caves. And I have no idea what the Tunneler is yet. They just have mentioned it. Like, that is a known thing. It is some kind of a creature that they are aware of that's dangerous, but it is like a known entity. But then things start happening. Like, supplies start being stolen. Jire thinks she starts hearing things or she starts feeling like some someone or something is following her and she be, she can't quite get a read on M because you know just for you know all of these reasons but she's starting to realize that there's some ulterior motive for having this mission and for why M picked Gyre for the, for this mission and it's it's dark it's creepy 
I'm really digging it, even though it's been really hard, like I said, for me to pick up a book and read it. This really, like, this is really hitting all of the right notes for me with the psychological suspense. It's very sci-fi, but it's not so sci-fi that you feel like you're missing something when you jump into the book, which is one of the reasons why I typically don't read sci-fi a lot. I always feel like, you know, when you jump right into like this brand new technology or something, or this brand new world that, for me, I always feel a little bit lost. This, it's like, okay, we're in a cave. And she, yeah, she's got a very high-tech suit on that basically allows her to do all of, basically live without having to schlep a bunch of stuff on her back. And so there's this technology, but it feels familiar. And it's just super, super interesting. Like, this one has gotten some really rave reviews from book rioters and other readers that I trust. So Jire is, even though it's it's been very minimal so far, um, she there have been little hints here here and there that that she is queer or that she you know that she is primarily interested in women, but that hasn't played a strong role in the book yet. Although my understanding is that that will play a stronger role as the story progresses. But it is super interesting. So if you are into kind of horror mashups, or if you like suspense that's definitely on the dark and creepy side, this is a really, really interesting book. And hopefully I will have it finished by next time so I can tell you how it, you know, so I can finish it up and and give you my final review on it. And then my second bonus pick that I wanted to mention is Stolen Things by R.H. Heron which um, I was familiar with the book and I was familiar with the book cover. It's like a pair of dirty white sneakers on top of like these pink flowers with a bunch of flowers inside the sneakers. But this one showed up on a list of queer mystery authors that you should be familiar with that was compiled by Kristen Lepianca, um, which I know, Rincy, you've you've read at least one of her books, I think possibly two. Uh, Just the first one so far. Just the first one? Okay, well, I knew I knew you'd read at least one of them. But she compiled this list, and so this was one of the books that was mentioned on there. And so the story follows a woman named Lori who works as a 911 dispatcher in Northern California. Her husband is the first Arab American chief in the police force. Their teenage daughter, Jojo, has kind of grown up in that environment. But Lori catches a call one night, and to her horror, it's her daughter who wakes up at the home of a pro football player, and she's drugged, she's disoriented, she's in pain, and she doesn't know how she got there. Um, She also doesn't know what happened to the football player's name is Kevin. She discovers that his trainer is discovered, the trainer's body is discovered in the house. And she remembers that she was with her best friend Harper, but now has no idea where Harper is. Um, So Jojo kind of tries to figure out what's been going on. She's looking at her friend's social media for clues. And then, of course, she uncovers secrets that just turns everything upside down. So this book sounds sounded super super interesting um from what i can tell from reading some of the reviews it sounds like there may be trigger warnings for rape or sexual assault so just you know keep that in mind if you're look if you're taking a look at this book but yeah it's it sounded really interesting and a lot of people have mentioned that the the cast of characters is really is really diverse just kind of in all around in an all around sense 
So that, of course, for me is a strong selling point as well. Again, that book is called Stolen Things by R.H. Heron, and God willing and the creek don't rise, I'll be able to read the book and read that, pick that up at some point. Maybe on my week off, maybe I'll be able to de- devote some mental energy to plowing through a, a good stack of books. Yeah, it's a great way to spend your vacation. <laughs> All right. So uh, definitely let us know, you know, either email us or tweet at us or anything along those lines. If you have any authors who identify as queer or LGBTQ plus um, or books that, you know, feature characters along those lines definitely let us know because as I'm sure all of you who are listening to this are aware, Katie and I are always looking for books that have underrepresented groups in them and are written by them and things along those lines. So we always want all of the recommendations. It's surprisingly hard. I mean, it's not like ridiculously hard, but I feel like sometimes when, at least when I was like looking up LGBTQ books for this episode, I feel like I hear like the same handfuls of authors every time I'm like, you do like a basic Google search. I know that there are more out there and there are more books out there, but it seems like the same like five or so authors get recommended every time. And so we would love to hear about more of them. Absolutely. I was going to say the exact same thing. It's like everything that shows up, it's like Rita Mae Brown. And I'm like, I get that. (laughs) Looking for something else. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with her. But uh, yeah, we just, you know, we want to give all the authors the spotlight if possible. All right. So uh, moving on to our new releases, I'm going to start things off with a book with an LGBTQ character. This is Vera Kelly is not a mystery. This is a sequel to who is Vera Kelly. And so this is book two in the series. I will say as someone who read the first book in the series, you probably should read these books in order because I have a feeling that the I haven't read the second book yet. But the way the synopsis is written, I have a feeling that the events of the first book are going to impact the second book. So just be aware of that. But if you were a fan of who is Vera Kelly then the second book is out now. I'm super excited to pick it up. So in the second book, you are following ex-CIA agent Vera Kelly. Um, She has lost her job and her girlfriend within a single day. And so now she decides to become a private detective as she is heartbroken and cash-strapped. She ends up taking up a case that brings up a lot of dark memories for her and attracts some dangerous characters from across the Cold War landscape. And before it's over, she'll chase a lost child through foster care and follow a trail of Dominican exiles to the Caribbean. Forever looking over her shoulder, she nearly misses what's right in front of her, her own desire for home, connection, and a new romance at the local bar. So like I said, I read the first book in the series and I really enjoyed it. This is probably more on the literary end of things, although there is always a mystery at the center of these books. Uh, But it definitely leans more towards the literary fiction side of things. Um, I feel like these books are just like really fun. They're not quite cozy, but they are historical fiction. um, As you know, the synopsis mentioned the Cold War, I'm sure you picked up on that. Uh, But yeah, I feel like these are just really fun, sort of small press mysteries that, like I said, feature a character who identifies as a lesbian, which is also great considering it's historical fiction. Um, So again, the second book in the series is called Vera Kelly is Not a Mystery, and this is by Rosalie Necht. And then I have Deep as Death by Kaja Ivar, and this is coming out on June 23rd. 
you are following Hella Mazur, who was the first ever woman inspector in the Helsinki Homicide Unit, uh, but she's been fired despite solving her first case. Uh, so this is set in the 1950s, and it's an unusually long and cold winter everywhere, frozen sea, ice-covered lakes and rivers, and in a port city flooded with refugees, who cares if a young woman goes missing? So you are following this up-and-coming inspector who views this as an opportunity to advance their career, a heartbroken PI with a score to settle, and they have yet to discover one thing. The most dangerous lies are those we tell ourselves. Um, So this one is actually put out by Bitter Lemon Press, who is, again, a smaller press that puts out a lot of like international mysteries here in the United States. So if you are interested in something that takes place over in Helsinki, then you can pick up Deep as Death by Kaja Ivar. And then also coming out on the 23rd is The Swap by Robin Harding. Lo Morrison is not your average teen, and you could blame her hippie parents or her looming height or her dreary, isolated hometown on an island in the Pacific Northwest. But whatever the reason, Lo just doesn't fit in, and neither does Freya, an ethereal beauty and once famous social media influencer who now owns the local pottery studio. After signing up for a class, Lo quickly falls under Freya's spell, and Freya, buoyed by Lo's adoration, is compelled to share her darkest secrets and deepest desires. Finally, both feel a sense of belonging. That is, until Jamie walks through the studio door. Desperate for a baby, she and her husband have moved to the island hoping that the healthy environment will result in a pregnancy. Freya and Jamie become fast friends, as do their husbands, leaving Lo alone once again. Then one night, after a boozy dinner party, Freya suggests swapping partners. It should have been a harmless fling between consenting adults, one night of debauchery that they would put behind them, but instead it upends their lives and provides Lo the perfect opportunity to unleash her growing resentment. So Robin Harding has written a number of these sort of like fast-paced, thrilling domestic thrillers. Uh, It's being written as a dark, suspenseful thriller and perfect for fans of Megan Miranda and Lisa Jewell. So again, that one is called The Swap by Robin Harding. And then I have The Mountains Wild by Sarah Stewart Taylor. 23 years ago, Maggie Darcy's family received a call from the Dublin police. Her cousin, Erin, has been missing for several days. Maggie herself spent weeks in Ireland trying to track Erin's movements, working beside the police. But it was to no avail and no trace was ever found. This experience inspired Maggie to become a cop. Now, back on Long Island, more than 20 years have passed. Maggie is a detective and a divorced mother of a teenager. But when she gets a call that Aaron's scarf has been found and another young woman has gone missing, Maggie returns to Ireland, awakening all of the complicated feelings from her first trip. The despair and frustration of not knowing what happened to Erin, as well as her attraction to Erin's co-worker, now a professor who never fully explained their relationship, and her determination to solve the case once and for all. Um, so this is being described as like a slightly more like literary, deeply drawn portrait of a woman and a country over the course of two decades. It's getting comparisons to, of course, Tana French, but also like Kate Atkinson. So if you like those sort of more character-focused mystery books, and this one should be one that's on your radar. And again, that's called The Mountains Wild by Sarah Stewart Taylor. Oh, man, this all sounds so good. This is the part of the episode that I'm like, oh, my Goodreads list is so upset with me, especially now because I haven't been reading. I just keep adding. 
<laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, the books will always be there for you for when you're ready for them. I know. I just wish I was ready now. I mean, this is the part where we usually talk about what we have been currently reading. I, yeah, nothing. Um, I have been catching up on the new episodes of Queer Eye. Nice. And I have also been scanning a bunch of old family photos and documents and things. And that is kind of like a mystery, or at the very least, a puzzle, because I'm looking at these people going, I have no idea who any of these people are, and some photos are labeled and some aren't. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to go through and like put together the pieces of who my ancestors are. So it's a little like detective work. <laughs> a little. A little. I mean, I should I should try, you know, listening to an audiobook while I'm, you know, scanning like a bunch of this stuff. But I just have the TV on in the background because that's like really all my brain can handle. It's just like just ingesting like comfort TV shows right now. That's completely understandable. I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this can relate a lot. So I have to admit that I haven't actually finished anything mystery related as well besides uh, The Kill Club. I've been reading a lot of like literary fiction lately. I don't know what it is about the summer, but I always want to pick up like really thick, dense literary fiction books like or classic books for some reason. So that's what I've been reading lately. I'm enjoying them. But again, they're not mystery books. Uh, The other thing I realized is that you talking about your library reopening for curbside pickup reminded me that my library is now open for a curbside pickup. But that also means that my library books that I've checked out for the last three months are going to be due soon. Because <laughs> now that it's back open, they're going to start uh, asking for them back. <laughs> so I'm going to try and pick up some of these library books that I have sitting on my shelf. So that way I can return them to the library after having them since like the beginning of March. So I have The Majesties by Tiffany Sow. I have that one from my library. <laughs> hey, look, we're like twins. <laughs> um, I also have Yellowbird, which is uh, a true crime book that came out earlier this year, which was about a Native American woman who got murdered, I believe. And so uh, those are the two books that I'm going to put on my like the top of my to be read list. So hopefully I'll finish them before we record another episode. Yes, and as a PSA, if your library is doing curbside, please be nice to your library staff, please. I mean, you should always just be nice to your library staff. Regardless, <laughs> I mean, that should go without saying, but I am also saying that we have gotten some not-so-nice responses to our curbside services because it's not the same as before, which it can't be, but just... Be extra nice to your to your li- to your friendly librarians. They're working very hard and they're all very tired. That they are. I'm not talking about personal experiences whatsoever. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> that's our show. Uh, thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com/listen. We'll have links to all of the articles that we mentioned up above, including uh, links to all of the different awards nominees that we mentioned at the top of the show and things like that. Um, We'll also have links to all of the books that we mentioned here today as well. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and discover us. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can find us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at A. And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.